and I made more than I made in my two-week paycheck at my office job at the Madison Night Market. Oh, I can make more doing my art than I can in a leasing office, like kicking people out of their homes. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Screw It, Let's Do This podcast, a podcast where we interview entrepreneurs about their story. I'm your host, Shelby. And I'm your other host, Therese. And today we have a very exciting guest, Tori of Tori's Trinkets. <laughs> Hi. Tori, welcome. Thank you. I am so excited to be here today. I uh, listened to the podcast, so I'm excited to be on the other side of it. I <laughs> we know. That. We yeah. love it. <laughs> well, I, it's funny because we're like, welcome to the podcast, but it's like, welcome to your space. Like, yeah. we're in your yeah. space right now. And if you guys aren't watching the YouTube video, you should just like pause and flip it on because this is by far the cutest. Thank it's you. So, I, yeah, I mean, like uh, the little details in your space. Every time, like the last time I was here versus mm -hmm. this time, it's like there's more paintings. Yeah. And there's more trinkets. There are. It's never enough trinkets. Yeah. So, and you guys can't even see like everything we're seeing, I don't think. No. Like, there's a lot more on the walls all around. <laughs> and it's like when I walked in, I was like, I just want to touch yeah. Everything. It's very easy to just get distracted it looking is. at all your stuff. Yeah. Which is actually is a really good segue into like what is Tori's Trinkets? Sure. So Tori's Trinkets, I started in 2020, um, around the same time as you actually. Um, and I really wanted to make jewelry and like fun accessories that kind of spoke to like the inner child um, part of people. So a lot of the stuff is very like whimsical, very kind of like nostalgic um, a lot of like the design in my studio is very like what I would have painted my room as if I was 14 years old <laughs> and could paint. Um, so I really just like wanted to have like a business where people could get more in touch with like their more feminine side, their more childish side, like jewelry that speaks to that part of you, I guess, was like my main goal in making Tori's Trinkets. I feel like you hit the nail on the head with, <laughs> yeah, with all this stuff. <laughs> Seriously, it's it's amazing. And like all the little SpongeBob references, I feel like yeah. you have like speaks to personally to my yeah. inner child. Maybe that's why I'm so giggly today. I feel like I'm extra Wait, giggly. Where is a SpongeBob reference? Well, there's I have like, like the worm here on my necklace. <laughs> Wait, did you have them up there? There's um, the worm, I have a worm mug that I got from um Rat That's Rats. what it is. Okay. Yeah, which is like another local business that I love like seeing her stuff around town. So I, every time I see her tent, I'm like, I need that worm mug. And so I went to an event the other day and I saw one and I was like, it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard not to go to events and shop from every single vendor booth um, because I just like want all of it, everything that like the artist community here in Madison makes. Yeah, we, well, okay. We need to talk about that throughout this podcast because sure. like the whole art community, I mean, we know like the biz, like the biz community, but mm -hmm. the creators and the makers, that's like a whole different yeah. vibe. It's huge, but yeah. I, I don't know that much about it. Like yeah. I know a couple of you, but I don't yeah. know, I don't well, know that much. We'll have to get, definitely get into that later. But before we sure. get too far into that part, can you tell us like about your entrepreneurial journey and, and kind of start there? Sure. Um, so when I was growing up, my dad was, is a, he still is, um, a college professor and he teaches marketing. Um, he taught at NIU for like almost a decade, I think maybe more than a decade. Um, and then he now teaches at UW Madison. Um, I tell everyone that like I moved to Madison and then my whole family followed me here. Um, cause my brother lives here and then my mom comes to help me with all of my events. So my dad is a professor. I would sit in on his classes in like high school and on like my spring break and stuff. And I don't know if I retained any of it. I just like liked being in like the college, like 
seat as like a 14 year old, like pretending like I'm a grown up. And then when I was in middle school, my mom opened a bead shop on the main street of our like uh, hometown. I'm from Roscoe, Illinois, which is like a small town. And so we uh, bought this like old Victorian house on the main street and they um, she completely renovated it into a bead store. Beads like mm-hmm. like, like Michael's, like the little beads. Okay. But it wasn't finished products. It was like supplies. Like if you like if you make your own and you're very crafty, like you would go there to buy craft supplies from her. Um, so she had like all of the stuff that you would need to make earrings and jewelry and all of that stuff. And she would teach classes. Um, and so that's how I learned how to make jewelry was in the back room of her like bead shop. I would like keep myself busy by like making stuff. And she would say that I'd like make, um, bracelets and necklaces and stuff and like give them to my teachers as gifts. And my mom (laughs) would be like, where did they get that? I'm like, I gave it to them. She's (laughs) like, this is a business. Like you can't just take all my stuff and give it away. Um, but I didn't know that at the time. So, um, yeah. So I like to say that like, I got my business savvy from my dad and my creative side from my mom, because he was the one who like knows like the buyer behavior and sales and like all of that stuff. Whereas my mom was always more of like the creative side of things. And I kind of got like 50, 50 from them. That's a really cool mix. Yeah. So you said your mom, you, they bought a Victorian house. Mm -hmm. Did you live there or was it just for the shop? It was just for the shop. It was um, zoned as like a commercial space because it was on like the main strip. Um, And so in like the, uh, the upstairs we had um like family friends from the philippines who lived upstairs um and they would like stay in the rooms up there or like um us as kids it was like me my brother and my cousins would just like run around and like play games upstairs or like be in the back mud room or um like hang around the shop a lot while my mom and grandma worked so i grew up there it was called glad to be here <laughs> And I made up the name when I was in fifth grade. And then I like ended up in the newspaper. So there's just like a picture of like fifth grade me, like a big sign that's like, she's glad to be here. You need that on the wall. Yeah, is that somewhere? Is the clipping somewhere in here? It's in my mom's uh, like bead shop in our basement right now. Okay, so the bead shop, the Victorian house. So it's no longer. Yeah, so she sold it because she wanted to spend more time with us. It was like take it was a lot to run. Um, And so. The bead shop closed, but then she just kept all of the inventory in her basement. Um, And so when I actually first started my business, I just like went shopping downstairs. I would like go through (laughs) and all these beads hadn't been touched in years. So I'm like, you don't mind if this is missing (laughs) or like. So I got a lot of my supplies when I first started from like her storage in the basement from the old bead shop. Wow. Mm -hmm. So this is I first off I had no idea that I mean that <laughs> yeah, I didn't either. It almost feels like so you saw what your mom did. And how long was she in business? Um I want to say like 2 or 3 years. Okay. But it was like middle school like formative years for me. Got it. But then it's like now that you you got I guess when you were 23, 24 you decided like man, I really loved my mom's bead shop. Mm-hmm. I want to do an artsy but not the same. Like so you kind of it feels like you breathe new life into her business idea. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I like loved it when I was young and then I kind of forgot about it or like didn't think much of it because, you know, anything your parents do isn't cool when you're a kid. When I went to college, I joined a sorority just because I heard that they did crafts all the time. <laughs> and I was like, I want to craft stuff. And so I joined a sorority so that we could have like craft nights and like paint paddles and like do stuff like that. So I still had like a creative outlet through college. Um, while I was going to school uh, for at first I went to school for marketing 
um, as my major. And then it was too much business stuff and I wanted more creative stuff. So I switched to public relations um, because it was more like the communicative side and like engaging with people and like the more creative side of business. So I switched like my sophomore year of college. Where did you go to school? Illinois State University. Okay. Um, so since my dad was a college professor at NIU, I got half off in-state state tuition. So my three options for college were NIU, SIU, or um, U of I. And I ended up at ISU. Oh. I didn't even apply to any other schools because it, it would have been stupid to not yeah. have the tuition like discount. It was really nice. Um, so I loved ISU. It was like a complete college town where it's it wasn't like Madison where there's other things to do. It was like only the college. Mm. Um, so like the minute that I graduated, I was ready to get out, get out of there and like start fresh. Um, and I didn't like I still was in the mindset of like corporate job. Like I went to school. I got a college degree. I'm going to go work for an office job. Um, so my first job out of college was at a marketing company. Um, and I worked um, in the customer service department. At first, they sold it to me as like, you're going to be, you know, like the business, the Google business pages that people mm -hmm. have. I was like the customer service rep for that. Like uh, small businesses would call in and like talk to me about their page and their pictures and their ratings and all that stuff. And I was like the Google expert. Um, for that company for a little bit, but um, they slowly like dissolved that role and then just turned me into straight customer service, which I could not handle just being in a call tree all day and like having people yell at me about like stuff that a like a salesperson did like um, and I so I couldn't hack it. And I was like, I don't like this. I don't like being in a cubicle all day. I don't like um, getting out of work and it's dark out like I didn't see the sun all day. Um, and so I left to, um, like, I literally just worked at Starbucks cause I was like, I would rather do this than yeah. be in an office where I was getting yelled at on the phone all day. Um, and I actually made more at Starbucks cause of the tips. Oh like, my gosh. Wow. That's amazing. That's yeah. a plug for yeah. Starbucks. <laughs> I love, I mean, Starbucks is an incredible company. Don't they, mm -hmm. for their full-time people, like they offer college reimbursement benefits. Yeah. Like, so yeah. I worked there through college as well. Um, that's why I like knew that I could go back to it after college. Um, and a lot of my coworkers like lived in the town, but didn't go to ISU. They went and got the full free tuition through Arizona state, which is like oh, yeah. the online college that Starbucks pays for. Oh, got it. Um, so it was like fully free for them, um, to do college. They do like a bunch of stuff, um, with like the air force or like the military, um, like they hire veterans and stuff like that. I got free Spotify, which was hey. nice. Um, <laughs> like literally the day I quit, they like cut me off. I'm like, man, like <laughs> at least on my way home, I wanted to listen to something. Like, yeah. They were quick. They're quick with it. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. It was crazy. Um, Wait, so how long were you at Starbucks after you? So marketing job, how long were you at Starbucks? Um, so marketing job, it was actually in DeKalb. So it was like an hour commute to go to this marketing job every day, which was like another reason that I hated it. Um, and then I worked for Starbucks, um, for about two months. Um, and then I was like, I don't want to do this either. Um, but I was still living with my parents and I was saving up money. Um, and they're like, well, what are you going to do? And I was like, I'm just going to go to Madison. Like I can't, I want to live in Madison. I don't have like everything I've applied to. They saw my Illinois like address and just like threw away my application. Like they, if I didn't have a Wisconsin or a Madison like address, they just wouldn't like bother. Wait, but why Madison? 
I just loved the vibes here. I the um, vibes. See, that's so funny. Yeah, <laughs> I, I grew it. up um, like an hour away from here, like on the other side of the Illinois border. And so every like weekend we would come up and we'd go to the free zoo or we would oh. like walk up and down State Street. The farmer's market. The farmer's markets. Um, yeah, me and my friends would just like on like a random Saturday, just like drive up and like spend all day going like all seven blocks of State Street, just like going into every shop and like trying out all the restaurants. And I knew that I didn't I wasn't ready to be in Chicago yet. And I feel like as a person from like a small town in Illinois, your options are Madison or Chicago or like, Milwaukee? I don't know. Yeah. I knew a few people who lived in Milwaukee and I'd visit a lot and I just, it was too industrial for me. Like it's a very like blue collar industrial town and Madison felt more, well, it's a college town. So it felt more youthful. It felt more like vibrant. It was cheaper but to move to than Chicago. Maybe not now, but at the time when I moved here like six or seven years ago. Um, and people would always ask me like, why'd you move to Madison? I'm like, I don't know. I just like the vibes and I'm going to make it work here. Like (laughs) I I was like literally like working at Starbucks, living in my parents' house. And I think I lasted like eight months living with my parents after like having a taste of freedom in college. And I was like, I can't do this again. Yeah. I just put all my savings. Um, I had my dad co-sign for me since I didn't have like income yet. Um, and I figured out a way to pay for my studio apartment here and, Um, I worked retail for a little bit at, um, like a store in Hilldale as it was opening up. What was Um, it? It was L.L. Bean. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I'm just curious. uh, I pretended to be a lot more outdoorsy than I actually (laughs) was. (laughs) Um, I literally, they would have me teach classes because they're like, you're so personable and bubbly. You should teach this class. And it was like kayaking up a river. I had never done that. And so I'm teaching this class where everyone in the class knew more about kayaking than I did. I was just like reading off the script they gave me. Oh, that's so funny. I didn't know they had classes. (laughs) They do. And they're like free classes. And I think the only people who go to them are like people who are just like bored or retired or like I don't know they're yeah. just like free classes on a Wednesday night um they're exposed now yeah, yeah. Like they know the instructors <laughs> I know the one that I did like teaching was like taking photography in like nature um because I love taking pictures and like curating like an aesthetic as you can see um and so that class I was really good at but the other ones that they would like throw me into because no one else wanted to teach them I was like I do not know what I'm doing. People would ask me questions and I'd be like immediately stumped. I did that. Um, It was enough to pay the bills, but it wasn't enough to do anything else. Um, So I got another job doing event marketing for a local remodeling company. Um, So I would go to events and I would set up a booth and be like, hey, do you want to win free windows or like whatever? What was the remodeling? Uh, Wanaki remodeling. Okay, never heard of them. You never heard of them? Have you? Yeah. Yeah. So I worked for Wanaki Remodeling for a while as their event marketing person. And I like went to all of these events and um, I like sold leads. So I wouldn't like sell the windows, but I would sell an appointment slot for a sales rep to come in and sell the windows. And I still got like commission from it. Um, And so that was really fun um, to do like going to all of these different events. And um, it was fairly easy just like sitting in a booth and being like, do you want to enter to win free windows or whatever? So January of 2020, I went to go pick up packages in like the leasing office where I lived and the manager came up to me and she's like, Hey, are you looking for a job? And I was like, not technically, but I always am looking for a job. Like what's up? Um, And so she was like, we need a new leasing agent. And you're like always so fun and bubbly when you come in, do you want to do that? And like the way that they sold it to me was like, you'll get to help us like figure out how to remodel the apartments. You'll like give tours and like, 
you know, um, rent apartments to people and you'll get commission for every apartment you rent. And so I was like, sign me up. Like, that sounds great. Um, so it was another office job and it was January of 2020. So I had two months and then the pandemic hit and it was like full lockdown. Um, there were only three of us working in the office. So it would be like one person in the office while two people worked from home. And it was just like so isolating. We, I had to do video tours of every apartment because people couldn't come in and tour the apartment. So it's just like, I got really good at voiceovers and taking videos and stuff because it would just be me being like, so here's an empty two bedroom, one bath apartment, like, and like listing off all the specs of the apartment to try and get people to rent it. But as the pandemic went on and like, as I got more into the job, a lot of the stuff that I actually had to do day to day, like I did get to pick like countertops and cabinets and stuff like that, which was really fun. But like the bulk of it was going through applications, denying people housing. Um, it was literally during a housing crisis, like during the pandemic. And they're like, all right, go put all of these late notices on people's doors. Like you're going to have to call people for evictions. Like it was all like the dark side of the leasing office life. And I'm way too soft for that. Like my boss literally told me, she's like, you're too nice for this job. I'm like, you are correct. Like <laughs> I can't do this. I don't want to like call people and tell them that like, hey, your application is denied because you don't make enough money or hey, your application is denied because you have like medical debt or like something that's I know is out of the control of people. Um, and it was just like really hard on me. And I know you've had a few guests talk about like, I knew it was time to leave when I would cry every morning <gasps> on the way to ask. work. I literally, it was a two minute drive because my apartment was here and they were across the street and I, I could have walked, but I like drove my car every day just to like get a little, I would like play sad music and just like. <laughs> Wait, what was your favorite cry song, JW? Um, anything Alanis Morissette. Okay. <laughs> um, but I just like, it was like a three minute commute and I was like, I can't do this. Like, and I felt trapped because I literally lived there and worked there and it was just like so much people like who were other residents like knew that I lived there and I just like couldn't do it. Um, August of 2020, I um, started doing resin, which is like the um, chemical pores um, on the side and um, like just at night because I needed a hobby to keep me sane during the pandemic. In 2020, I feel like resin was like all the like all the rage to like make keychains and earrings and stuff. And I already had the um, jewelry making stuff down. Like I knew once I had the pieces, I knew how to assemble them and make them into jewelry. Um, and so I did my first batch, I think of like eight earrings from like a mold. Um, and I posted them on my Instagram, just like being like, ha, oh, look at this like fun little hobby that I'm doing on the side. And people were like, oh, are those for sale? Like how much are those? Those are so cute. Um, and so I sold all eight of them for like eight bucks each. I was like, I was just mostly doing it for fun, but I'm not going to wear all of these. I just made them. Um, and so I sold them through Instagram and then I was like, this is fun. Like, I wonder if I could do a side hustle of this while I work in the office and maybe one day it'll get me out of this office, which spoiler alert, it did. <laughs> um, and so at the time my business name was resonated trinkets, um, because it was all resin stuff. And so I thought that was like a fun little name. Um, but then resin is such like a harsh chemical and I lived in an apartment, so there was not enough ventilation for like the fumes and like everything else that's created. I felt like a mad scientist when I was like <laughs> making them. I had like a full like ventilator on my face and I had like aprons on and like gloves and all this stuff. Um, and I was like, maybe I shouldn't be doing this if it's this toxic. Like, yeah. 
Um, and my cat actually um, started to get like a skin rash from oh. it. And I was like, I'm not like my child comes first. Like, <laughs> um, and so I was like, OK, so I'm going to transition away from resin. And I um, like knew other makers in the area who were doing it, too. And so I was like, hey, do you want all my molds? Like, I'm not going to do this anymore. Um, and so I like gave them all away to like another maker because at least I like cleared it out of my space. Um, and so I bought a bunch of like findings and like little earring parts from Etsy and I would like assemble them into jewelry. But I would like do the farmer's market every week. And if you don't know, on off of State Street, there's like a spoke. So it's like the full square is all produce. And then the one off street, State Street, is where all of the arts and crafts vendors are. And to get an arts and crafts vendors license in Madison, everything needs to be fully handmade. Like we interview and we explain to them the process of how we make everything. So someone can't just come in with like a bunch of Badgers t-shirts and sell them at the farmer's market, like unless they screen printed them themselves. Um, and so people who know that are going up and down State Street and they're like, oh, how did you make this? And I would say like, oh, I just like assembled all the parts together and people would give me dirty looks like I, I didn't actually make it because like I found the parts and I was like, I still designed them into jewelry, but I felt myself like having to constantly um, come up with things like, no, but I really do like work. Hard. Like it was hard to like prove myself to people that like I wasn't just like fine. Like even like my mom was like, oh, she just like finds stuff and makes it like about other makers. And I'm like, well, that's what I do, too. Like and so I felt like there was like a little bit of like a oh, so you don't make every single part of it. So it's not handmade, which is crazy to me. Yeah, um, that is but crazy. there was like that kind of like stigma around it for a while. Um and so as I was like building up my business, I knew that I wanted to get into like laser cutting because I'd seen a ton of earring makers in other like areas who um, had laser cutters and I'd like watch all their videos of like how it was made. And I was like, well, I have a bunch of ideas of like what I want to make, but I can't find them anywhere. If I was like, oh, I want to make this kind of earring, I need these kinds of parts. And I just like couldn't find them anywhere. Um, and so in October of 2022, I got my Glowforge, which was very expensive. I actually got a loan through like the Square app, which is like the credit card reader. Wow. Um, and they gave me a loan and then I, like 15% of all my credit card sales just like went to pay off the loan. Okay. So I didn't have to like think about it. It's just like automatically just deducted 15% from every that's interesting. Time. I didn't mm -hmm. know how that would yeah. work. Yeah. I constantly get emails like, you're approved for Me too. Alone. I just mm -hmm. got one yesterday. Yeah, constantly. Yeah. But I've never thought to use it. Yeah. It was actually really helpful. It was like, yeah, I think it was like a $5,000 loan, which covered the cost of the Glowforge. And then I paid it off within a year of like the 15% of all my credit card sales, hey. which is really nice yes. um, now that I like because I use and abuse that machine. Like <laughs> I, it is constantly printing. So it's a Glowforge, which is a laser cutter. Um, so it can cut through acrylic, it can engrave metals, um, it can engrave wood and cut through wood. Wow, wait, it can engrave wood? Mm-hmm. Like the honey dipper earrings that I have from you, those are yeah. made of wood. <laughs> it smelled like a bonfire in here <laughs> when I was making them. Oh my God. That is so Yeah, that's amazing. Interesting. We'll have to get we'll have to get some. It's like a huge cricket. That. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, is. it looks like it's a like, ginormous cricket. It is. It's like I, when I first got it, because I think it's like 85 pounds or something like that, the FedEx guy could not bring it up to my apartment. Oh. He was like, I'm just going to leave it here. So me and my husband had to unbox it completely and like both of us carry it up to my 
um, apartment. When I got this laser cutter, I was like, I can't believe that they just let me have a laser in my home. Like, what do you mean <laughs> that I can just have this big industrial machine yeah. that like literally I can just like cut anything I want in my house? Yeah. Wait, I have a question. So yeah. now that you can cut your own pieces, mm -hmm. do you sell your individual pieces on Etsy? Like, how you used to buy. Um, so I've been thinking about doing that. Another thing that a lot of earring makers do um, that I've seen on Etsy is they sell the digital files. So oh, like yeah. I drew like those uh, cloud hearts and I have the file for it and I could sell it on Etsy for $4 and they can just download the file and print it off oh my as, gosh. if they want. What a Wow. That's a cool like, what, yeah. what do they call the revenue? You don't have to think about what is mm -hmm, it called? Passive income. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. So I've been thinking about doing that with some of my files and like selling those through Etsy um, so that other people can just like they can pick different acrylics. They could do whatever they want, but they have like the main like blueprint to follow because mm -hmm. um, I draw everything through Illustrator and then um, convert it into like the right files for the Glowforge machine. I feel like I sometimes I'm like a, an engineer and a mad scientist and a crafter, like all in one. <laughs> like I'm literally like working with this like technology that like is like a heavy laser. And like my friend's uh, boyfriend who is an engineer, he came to my open house um, and he literally asked me like a thousand questions mm -hmm. about the machine. And I knew all of the answers. And she's like, I'm so sorry if it's annoying. I'm like, no, no one asks me these. Like, I'm so excited to talk about like SVGs and like prints and files and like how I like vectorize all of my designs and stuff like that. Like no one asks me about yeah. that day to day. There is one question I'm curious about. So yeah. we've had people on the pod before that I just call it the pod. <laughs> we've had, I feel funny saying that. Um, we've had people on the pod before that are, they describe themselves as like artists, not mm -hmm. business people. But like, I feel like you've described yourself as a bunch of different things. Like when you think about yourself in your role with Tory Trinkets, you do everything, obviously. And your husband also helps your brother and your mom. Yeah. I don't know if I missed anyone, but like, <laughs> what do you consider your role? Like, yeah, what do you consider what you do? Yeah. Um. So I kind of consider myself both. I feel like like my whole life, I'm half Filipino, half white. My dad was businessy. My mom was creative. Like, I feel like I'm just always in the like the halfway point. Um, and so I do like for the first couple of years, I didn't put the title artist on because in my head, I was like art equals paintings or like artists equal like doing this kind like only this specific kind of art. Um, but then the the best of Madison happened. Um, and they condensed all of the categories where before it used to be like best local Etsy shop, best maker, um, like all of those different categories. And this year they put it as best artist. Which you are, you got yes. silver. I got silver for best artist in Madison, which is crazy because is it's such a broad category this year. Like it encompassed all artists. It encompassed all makers. It encompassed like everything. So it was crazy to like- That's insane. Win that category. And I like went to the best of Madison party and um, it was like all big businesses. Like it was like Melio's or like the Princeton club. And then it's like little old me. <laughs> like- um, but yeah, so that kind of cemented in my mind, like, oh, people do view what I do as art. Um, and so I kind of like embraced that title more as I like got a plaque that said it, like it took until like other people called me that for me to call myself that at first. Cause I don't know. I feel like we as a society tend to like minimize things that girls like and like call it basic or like, if you're an artist, you're just crafty or like like minimize things that like are more feminine or more like, I don't know, um, like it's basic to like 
pumpkin spice lattes and stuff like that, where it's like, there's a reason that everyone likes it, but they like minimize it and make it like, oh, then you're basic or oh, like, you know, so I had that like internalized misogyny for a long time of like, oh, I'm just crafty. Like I just like to make arts and crafts and it's just like a little hobby. And then now it's like my entire livelihood. And yes, unfortunately, my husband's too, because he <laughs> is out of work right now. Um you got kickstarted in that direction though. Cause I remember yeah. before he was out of work, you're like, I, he really, you, you wanted to get him out of his job to yeah. do this. Well, now it's just a little bit sooner than you I wanted. know. He was like, the universe really said, no, don't wait. It's happening <laughs> now. <laughs> like, yeah, that. Yeah. Do you like working with him? I do actually. I have not gotten sick of him yet. Ooh, um, girl, teach me your ways. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, my husband and I, well, I guess first, um, when I was, wanting to leave the leasing office. Um, I had done a few events. The first one I did was like the Madison night market. And I made more than I made in my two week paycheck at my office job at the Madison night market. And I was like, Oh, I can do this. Like, this is crazy. And I did not have a good display. Like it was literally just earrings on a table and like a janky sign that was Wait, like, was a, that where I first met you? I think it was, it was at the bodega. Oh, maybe. I don't remember. I thought I met you at the maker's market, but I don't, it I might don't have remember. been. Um, I remember every time I see you, I'm like, oh my God, local celebrity trick. Oh, well, I, I remember you told me you got the same shoes, the, yes. the big converse. I almost wore them today, but I didn't, but yeah. I, I just like love that. And I loved your earrings too. Obviously I had Thank those heart you. ones and I had the resin ones back yeah. in the day. So I feel like OG a little <laughs> OG, bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when I was getting ready to leave the leasing office, cause I had had that like confidence boost of like, oh, I can make more doing my art than I can in a leasing office. Like kicking people out of their homes or like, you know, um, and so we had already been engaged and we had booked like a venue for 2022. Um, but it was COVID, it was COVID time. So we like tried to book it out as far as possible so that like we had a long engagement and the like risk of having to replan it was kind of pushed aside. But I was like, I need to leave this job. I hate it here. Like I cry every day. Like I literally like hide in the bathroom or like I'll put my phone on busy. Like I'll just like pull it off so it looks like I'm on the phone, but I'm not on the phone. Like I would do all of these things to try and avoid that as much as possible. And so my husband's like, why don't we just elope? Like you can get on my health insurance and you can do whatever you want and I'll support you. And so he's always been like a really good supporter of everything that I do. Um, and so we eloped in my parents' backyard um, a year early. It was my mom's idea to do it like on our anniversary day so that our like September 24th is still our anniversary, but it's September 24th, 2021 and 2022. And so we eloped in my parents' backyard under like the arbor that my grandparents built in the garden. And it was just like my immediate family and my wedding party only. And it was so nice. And the minute that we did it, I was like, I don't want to plan a big wedding. <laughs> like this was all I needed. Um, but we had already put down all the deposits and like did a big thing. Um, but I, I enjoyed the big wedding too. Um, it was just like eloping beforehand really like dropped my motivation a lot for the big day. Um, but it gave me the peace of mind that like I had, I was on his health insurance. Like we were officially married, like he was in it with me. Um, so that was a really nice like confidence booster too. Um, and so, yeah, he's always been like a really good cheerleader, supporter, um, anything he can do to help. So yeah, uh, for those who don't know, my we went on vacation in Colorado for like our anniversary. And on the last day we were supposed to drive back, it was a 16 hour drive back. And um, 
like we were just going to change off because it was the two of us and we we're just going to make it back in one day. And then I had the farmer's market the next morning, which I do every Saturday. And at like five in the morning, um, he had a seizure in the bathroom and fell on his face. And I woke up because I, it sounded like someone was breaking in to the condo. Like I heard all this crashing and I went to check on him and he was just like in the bathroom covered in blood. Like he was in shock. So he didn't know what was happening. I didn't know what was happening. Um, and so, yeah, he, I rushed him to the ER and he had eight stitches, a concussion and a dislocated shoulder all from just like falling in the bathroom. And when I like called people to tell them what had happened, they were all like, oh, silly Danny, he fell in the shower. I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like he fell, fell. And he had like, because of the seizure, he had like carpet burn on his face. And like, it wasn't just like one fall. It was like a lot. Um, and so I was 16 hours away from everyone I knew, like in a random ER in Colorado with like a husband who was very concussed and like answering questions incorrectly and like, it was so scary. Um, but yeah, now he's back and he is my official Tori's Trinkets helper. <laughs> um, he can't work because his job was very physical. And since he has a dislocated shoulder, he can't do that. Um, so he now helps me with, he was like, oh good, I'm off work. I'm like, not anymore, pal. And I like, <laughs> make him do all my photography and like editing and stuff that he can do like without extending his arm. But yeah, it's been like a interesting season of our lives dealing with that um, because it happened like right as the big farmer's market season is ending. Like most of my income is like bulk from like April till August. And then like now we're down to like my trinkets income, which is stressful, but also um, the pressure has caused me to like pivot a lot of stuff. And like, I've been able to like really depend on the community here. Like everyone was so supportive when I posted like, Hey, I miss the farmer's market that I depend on for income. Like this is what happened. I was like, here's my link 20% off my website, like go nuts. And people like really showed up. It was really nice. Yeah. Um, and like at events, people would come up to me and be like, Hey, how's Danny? Like what's going on? And like a lot of people didn't really know Danny. They just like knew he was my husband. And like, mm -hmm. everyone was so supportive of like, a person that they didn't really know. And so I'm just really thankful for this community. I was going to say, I noticed another time, I don't know when it was, maybe a year ago, where the farmer's market was rained out maybe once or twice. And he posted, you're like, hey, it's rained out. Like I depend on this for income or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought you would post like, oh my gosh, you guys like really showed up. And mm -hmm. I was like so impressed. I feel like we, you know, we talked a little bit at the beginning about the makers community mm -hmm. and could we go more into that because yeah. I think that's really cool. Yeah. So when I first started, um, I didn't know anyone and I like, it's kind of isolating because you're in a booth alone, like without having my mom to help me there, like I couldn't really leave. Um, and so I would have her come and help me with events. And then I would like walk around and like look at other people's booths to get ideas of how I should display my stuff and like got to talking with all of the local makers. And I realized pretty quickly that the, the overall vibe here is community over competition um, everyone is like super supportive of each other and everyone is just very like accommodating. Like if I met another earring maker, um, like at my open house, this girl came up to me. She's like, Hey, I'm still in high school. And like, I really want to get into jewelry making. What should I do? And I was like, um, like I told her everything. I was like, there's no gatekeeping here. Like, here's everything I do. Here's like what you should do to get started. And like, that's just kind of the whole 
like vibes that people have passed on to me. And so I'm like, I'm just going to pay that forward to everyone that I can. Um, we started a little group chat on Discord that has grown. It, like there's like 500 makers in it now. It's crazy. Um, but people post like, hey, these like this application is open or like there's just like so many resources in there that people post and everyone is so like, I'm going to build you up because it just makes everyone else better as a whole. Like for this studio, I didn't even know that this space existed um, until I came to one of the like makers meetings. Like they they organize like little events so we can all like get together and hang out and like get to know each other outside of like events where we're all in our separate booths. Um, and I came and I was like, oh my gosh, this place is cool. Can I get like a tour of everyone's studios? And so people were like giving me tours of everything. Um, and I like just asked a million questions. I'm like, how do you apply? Where do I go? Like, I want to do this. Megan from Taco Cat, she has a studio down like a couple doors down. She was like, hey, this space is opening up. The listing's not even up yet. Like, here's all the insider scoop that you need to get this space. Um, and so without that, I probably wouldn't have known that this even existed or was an option for me. Um, but this place is a business incubator. So um, I had to apply and then I had to promote, like uh, submit a business proposal. And then I had to meet with the board of directors and like present my business proposal in order to get this space. Um, but as a business incubator, the rent is insanely cheap for Madison. Um, like I think you were talking in one of the episodes about how it's like 30-ish dollars a square foot in certain places in Madison. It's like 11 here. Oh, <laughs> it's so nice. I'm moving. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm literally moving. And I get so much like access to things like the freight elevator that I can carry stuff up, like all my event carts that I can bring up here. Or um, like we're doing a shop small Saturday here after Thanksgiving and I just get to set up for free at this event. Um, or I get to rent the gallery for free. There's just like a bunch of like business like resources that I got that came along with this space too, which is really nice um, because it's through the Commonwealth Development of Madison, which is a nonprofit. And so the point of them is to grow small businesses and to like help with housing and stuff like that in the area. I didn't know any of that existed. And this has been around since like 1981 or something crazy like that. So yeah, just being a part of the maker community and like having that knowledge of like, hey, this is an option for you um, was really, really helpful. And to be able to like, the day that I moved in, Megan came with like a, a welcome plant that's up there and like everyone is just like really nice and supportive. And yeah, the maker community is expansive. There's so many of us, especially after the pandemic, I feel like there was a small business boom. I tell people that I was part of the great resignation <laughs> of 2021. Everyone left their corporate jobs or everyone was like, I, if this is what life is like, I can't do this. Um, and so I feel like there was like a huge boom of like a shift to like entrepreneurship or like doing it on your own or like, if I'm going to have to hustle my whole, whole life, I want to hustle the way I want to hustle. And that's kind of how it was for me. Like, if I'm going to have to do this and like work however long I'm going to do it on my own terms and like how I want to do it uh, at the leasing office or like my marketing job, the cubicle was like so depressing and like the offices spaces were just like so bleak. And so when I got this space, it was like, I'm going to make it as happy and as fun as like, I want to spend all my time here as possible so that like while I'm working, it's just like a happy place to be um, to like get a lot of stuff done. So so your three, your three-ish years mm -hmm. into business, three plus years into business. Mm -hmm. I know 
from experience, you know, there's like busy seasons and it's a grind. Like it can mm-hmm. really be a grind. How do you stay motivated? Um, so a lot of it is like intrinsically, like I just have all of these ideas in my head that I need to get out there. Um, which I think comes with a lot of like creative people or like artists. They're like, I just like have all this stuff like running around in my head that I need to get out. Um, so a lot of that is like, I have all of these ideas that I really want to implement and, um, also working community events, like engaging with all of the different people in the community. A lot of my business is actually repeat customers. Um, once people like kind of find my niche and they're like, I love this stuff. Um, I'm going to wear it. And like, people have collections of my stuff. Like I don't have like the hugest following on like social media and stuff, but like the people who do follow me have been following me since the beginning and have been like super supportive and always come back, which is nice. Um, which means that like, I fully engage them in like conversations. Um, like I have a lot of regulars that'll come up to me at the farmer's market or like other events around town. And I'll be like, oh my God, hey. And I'll like ask them about their families and stuff. They're like, how do you remember that? And I'm like, you bought my art. Like to me, that's so meaningful. So I obviously like try to remember people. I'm really bad with names, but I can remember people's faces and I can remember their tattoos. Um, And so I'll be like, oh my God, I like haven't seen you since like this event last year, like something like that. Sometimes people are like a little creeped out (laughs) because I like remember too much about them. Um, But I'm like, I remember what you bought and I remember like the conversation that we had because I just really love talking to people and engaging with like the community and getting to know like what excites people. One of my biggest compliments that I get Um, or like the most frequent compliment I get is like, oh my gosh, your stuff is so fun. Um, which I really love because I, when I would go to markets before I ever started this and I just like was the event marketing person and I just like look around at the other booths, I never found stuff that like excited me. Like a lot of the jewelry was very much marketed to like an older generation. It was very like just different styles. Like I didn't find it bad, but I didn't like excite me or like, I just didn't see anyone making the stuff that I wanted in the market. And so I kind of saw that there was like a little gap in um, what I could do and like get people excited about. Um, So I kind of just tried to like stick with that style. Um, And I've, I think I've rebranded myself like four or five different times. Like I, I changed the name once, but then like all of my earring cards have changed like a bunch of different times. When I first started, it was way more boho style okay and like mid-century modern and now it's very much like maximalist like bright colorful yeah um and so yeah I just like want to tell people like don't be afraid to just start and you'll figure it out along the way because if I looked at myself at 2020 versus now like I couldn't have ever imagined any of this in 2020 like Mm -hmm. none of this was in my brain yet um it just kind of all happened like through my journey Mm mm-hmm I love, like when you see your stuff, you know, it's yours. Yeah. Like when I see someone wearing your stuff, I'm like, oh, I know who made that, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's really cool that you can do that. Yeah, you know? it is. And it's the most exciting to see my stuff out in the wild. Like yeah. I was at a bar the other day and I saw someone wearing my earrings and my, I was like talking to my husband. I'm like, do I go up and talk to her? He's like, no, don't be weird. I'm like, but I want, like, I would have, you know, I would have. <laughs> yeah. That's um, so and yeah, that's another good thing about my business is that like, People buy my stuff, but then they wear it. And it's like free advertising around town all the time Um, because people are just like, oh, I know that style or like, oh, I've seen those earrings before because they see them on other people around town, which is nice. And for people that 
well, you guys wouldn't have known this, but <laughs> I don't have my ears pierced. And so I've always want like I really want earrings, but my mm-hmm. ears like freak out. So like we're gonna I, pierce I them today. Them. <laughs> oh my gosh. I've tried so many times and they yeah. just don't handle like being pierced well. So yeah. I just have given up. But Tori told me that she has clip-ons for all of her earrings. So mm-hmm. to people that are seeing them and really like them and are like, shoot, I don't know my ears pierced. Mm-hmm. Clip-ons. Clip-ons. Yeah. I didn't have my ears pierced until I was 14 or 15, I think. So I wore clip-ons a lot, like, growing up. And I always just wanted to have people have that option um, of, like, yeah, like, people have, like, their body rejects piercings. Like, even if they want earrings, they can't have them. Or, like, um, a lot of people just have insanely sensitive ears. Like, all of my stuff is hypoallergenic. It's nickel-free. It's either gold-plated or stainless steel. But... That's because I have sensitive ears. And so I don't make anything that I can't wear because I would I would get like the packs of earrings from Charlotte Russe and like yeah. my <laughs> ear would be green and like crusty after like a day. It's probably what happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> and so I like only get stuff that is like more hypoallergenic for people and like more sensitive um, because I'm sensitive. <laughs> So what do you see the future of Tori's trinkets looking like? Um, Yeah, so I definitely want to expand my trinkets. Um, Right now, everything I do is handmade, which is really cool, but I want to grow my business. So I plan to um, like outsource my designs that I draw as like enamel pins, stickers, um, hair clips. I've seen a lot of people like make custom hair clips that I'm really excited about. I used to sell hair clips. Um, that I bought through other businesses wholesale. Um, but people would ask me how I made them and I'd be like, I didn't. Um, so I've always wanted to ever since like I was little be able to like make hair clips and stuff like that. Um, so I want to out be able to outsource um those things, but still keep my business small small. Um, the jewelry will always be handmade. That's kind of like my bread and butter of this business. Like the keychains and the hair clips and everything else is kind of secondary. Um, but the jewelry is usually what is like my main seller. And I love the meditative process of making the jewelry that I couldn't imagine handing the reins of that off to anyone else, but I can release the reins of other things that I can kind of take off my plate. Like my husband does all my product photography and, um, I really want to expand to do more wholesale right now. I think I have like seven or eight wholesale and consignment spots around Madison, but I want to expand it like more nationally, um, And I someday, maybe my dream would be to have a storefront on State Street, like when I was in high school and walking up and down and looking at all the trinkets at all the shops. There's so many empty storefronts on State Street. It's crazy. But they refuse to lower the rent for any of them. They're all still like 50 bucks a square foot on State Street, um, even if they've sat vacant for like two years. Um, I don't understand. I don't understand that. I think they get like a tax write off for it being vacant. Like that's the only way I can justify why they wouldn't do that. But yeah, it's just not feasible in the foreseeable future. But someday I would love to have like a little trinket shop where like I sell stuff from other makers in the area and it's all like locally sourced or like. Oh, wow. um, Like a farmer's market, a maker's market all the time. A maker's market all the time. Yeah. That would be cool. Mm -hmm. That's my dream. When I made my business plan for this space, which I had never made a business plan before. Um, that's what I put as like my projected goal, um, is to like, um, expand and to like reinvest in Madison because like all of my business comes from Madison, like all of like the community that I've built here is in Madison. Like, I just really want to give back to like this community and I want state street to be what it was when I was younger and like walking up and down and 
Mm-hmm. Like now it's just kind of like a few restaurants and a few stores and then a bunch of empty storefronts and then the farmer's market. And I love the farmer's market, but it's so exhausting setting up and tearing down every single week and doing like, it, I think it takes me like an hour and a half to get everything set up every single week. Um, and if I had like my own storefront where I can just like open and close and like open the door, that would be the dream, I think. Markets are tough. Market life is tough. Market life is tough. You have to have hard skin. Like, yeah, there are so many people who say the most out of pocket, like crazy things. And I'm like, what possesses you to say that to someone like someone will come up to me and they'll do the mystery machine, which like you would think that they know the risk. Like that's literally the point of the machine is like you get what you get. And people will be like, well, I don't like this. I would literally never wear this. Can I spin again? And I'm like, no, get out of here. Um, or people will just say things like, I don't know, like this is cute, but it's too big. And I'm like, okay, well I like big earrings, so I don't know what to tell you. Or people love to like, tell me how to run my business at my booth. People love to like, give me free business advice. And I'm like, I'm doing okay. Like I've, I've been doing this for three years and I'm still here. So like, I may not be like the most successful, but I've made a living out of doing it. So I'd really do not need to hear what you have to say. I really, really don't want to hear that. I'll say yeah. it doesn't go away when you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Get people, a store. They just come, come in, in yeah. and tell you. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I know. It's so like I think because we're like young women, they just are like, let me bestow all my wisdom upon you, and it's like I don't want it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I also <laughs> think it's just like some people. Like people come in all the time. They're like, you don't have sandwiches. You don't have soup. It's yeah. like literally go. <laughs> Mine is bread. Oh, oh my god. Oh yeah. Because so, there's a lot of old. Like yeah. old people housing. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Senior housing In right by me, and they wander over. Mm-hmm. You got coffee today? I'm like, no. Friday through Sunday. What kind of bakery doesn't have coffee? Mm-hmm. Or they're like, you got any bread? I'm like, no. We're a dessert bakery. Yeah. People think it's bread? so easy to just do one more thing. They're like, it'd be so easy to do sandwiches. It's, it's like, so annoying. do you know how difficult it is to have beautiful, perfect bread, what, daily? To have perfect mm-hmm. sandwiches and then what, to have like freshly cut meat all the time? It's like, um. Yeah, people just don't really understand what goes into like every single thing, like every single aspect of the business and like everything that I do. Like people will give me business ideas of like, oh, you should do this. But then it'll be like a screenshot of a Pinterest page of someone else's art. And I'm like, I'm not going to copy their art and because you want me to like, just go buy it from them. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, people will just be like, you should do this or you should do that. And I just like, like, okay, thank you for the advice. <laughs> like, keep it moving. <laughs> um, another thing about markets that I've learned is my booth is super colorful, which means that it attracts a lot of children on like oh. unaccompanied minors who love to run up to my booth and be <laughs> oh. like, what's this? And what's touch. that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One kid the other day, it was 20 degrees. I was freezing. I had been outside for eight hours. I like couldn't feel my legs. I was so cold and grumpy. And this kid come up to me and they're like, can I have this? And I was like, no, <laughs> like, <laughs> no, like, come back with your mom. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> um, especially cause I have the mystery machine that looks like a toy dispenser. Cause it is a toy dispenser. Yeah. And so like toddler boys will run up and be like, what is this? And I'm like, earrings. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> that's so funny though. Okay. This is totally off. This is like a 10 second story, but I was mm-hmm. at the farmer's market and I had a mushroom stand and I was yeah. about to buy mushrooms. But this woman, she was like 50. Mm-hmm. She touched every mushroom. She was like trying to decide. And he's like, he's like, can I help you, ma'am? Now that you've touched every one of my mushrooms. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, I got to get out of here. This is like (laughs) hostile. But I'm like, oh man, market. People are just. Yeah. It's a different. It is like, it's just customer service, which is a beast in itself. Yeah. Um, That is. 
Yeah. And then people, I, I feel like they just kind of like say whatever they want because they're like, you're a temporary booth, so I can just say it and leave. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and so that kind of brings me to our, our last question. Mm -hmm. So with everything that you've learned throughout these past few years, if you could go back to your younger self, mm -hmm. I, I when we say younger self, it could be like middle school or like just you at the beginning of your business. What mm -hmm. would you tell, I mean, maybe both of those people something different? Yeah. So like growing up, I loved all of this stuff. And then I felt like there was a shift in like middle school, high school, where I like really got on board with the like, um, like internalized misogyny of like, I can't like boy bands or I can't like this because it's girly or basic or like anything like that. Um, and so my advice would be like, don't kill the part of you that you feel is cringe, kill the part of you that cringes. Like just love all aspects of you because I shoved a lot of stuff down, like trying to like blend in or like be like a certain way for certain people or like not like other girls, which is like the internalized misogyny, like peak of like, I'm not like other girls. Um, and so a lot of that stuff I'm like rewriting in my like later 20s of like, it's okay to like Taylor Swift. It's okay to be into like a boy band. It's okay to love pink and color and like Everything that I like shoved down, I feel like came gurgling back up anyway. So just kind of, you know, let it all out. Yeah. Well, I look at your, th I read this before on your business card. It says healing your inner child, one silly pair of earrings at a time. And I was mm -hmm. wondering, and that makes, that makes yeah, sense. It's a lot of like the stuff that we as young women, like internalize without realizing it. I'm trying to like rewrite that and trying to be like, it's okay to like things that are childish. It's okay to like things that are colorful and girly and it's okay to like not be embarrassed by it. Like even when the world tells you you should be. I feel like that's your, is that your business? Why? Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> that, I feel like this whole time we're talking about earrings, but it's like your business why is so much bigger than that. Like it's, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, cause I like, Dang. I don't know. I feel like I can change the world one little silly pair of earrings at a time, like one little worm earring at a time, <laughs> worm earring at a time, or like one little goldfish charm at a time. I don't know. I just like I love at events people come up to my booth expecting like one thing or like thinking about all the other jewelry that's out there and then seeing my stuff and being like, oh my god, this is so fun! Like I love this stuff and like it. I can see like that inner part of them like sparking up again, and that's what keeps me motivated. So Tori, where can people find you? I am on Instagram and TikTok as Tori's Trinkets. I have a website called toristrinketshop.com and I have free local pickup here in Madison and I'm at pretty much any event they let me set up at. <laughs> yeah, you have Perfect. a bazillion events before yeah. the end of the year. So everyone go on her website and see the events you have yep. listed. Yeah. And it's holiday time. So yeah. it is so these are a perfect gift yeah. 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 for anyone listening. Yeah, there's... A holiday setup behind us. So mm -hmm. it's that time. Yes. Holiday cookie earrings coming soon. Oh my gosh. Ooh! <laughs> yeah, that that is amazing. And Shelby, where can they find you? You can find me at Mickey's Bakes. And you can find me at Tricky Foods. And you can find us, the pod, at Screw It, Let's Do This. That's it. That's it. That's the name. And you guys can listen in every other Wednesday. Every other Wednesday, you can listen in. We've got a new episode dropping, um, but follow us on all those platforms and watch the YouTube, especially for this one, so you can see Tori's awesome space. But thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.